Hello, I'm Doreen Ampofo, and this is Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero. This is a podcast on the intersection between climate change, gender equality, reproductive health, and other development challenges in Ghana. And I am Yvonne Atilego. So we are both broadcasters, but we are about to try something new, and we hope to take you along. Right, Doreen, this is our first podcast, the first in a series of six. We are so excited. Now let's meet the rest of the team. Hello, I'm Philip Latte. I'm also a broadcaster. We started this project more than six months ago. My main goal was to discover the techniques involved in making great podcasts. My name is Diana Kufu. I'm not a broadcaster like the other three, but a storyteller nonetheless. I work in marketing and I guess I tell stories differently. And I am Evelyn Addo. I have a background in journalism, but these days I work in environmental communication. I am glad to be part of this journey. Climate change is such a complex subject, but we will do our best to break it down. That's the full house. First things first, what is the series about? Climate change, well, it's a mixed basket. In six episodes, we want to explore how climate change affects employment, food security, migration, gender equality, and health in Ghana. We also have some exciting stories about how Ghanaian innovators are addressing some of these problems. Climate change is one of the pressing crises of our times and one that every country in the world is grappling with differently. Across our country, Ghana, communities are experiencing unusually high temperatures, erratic rainfall, prolonged droughts, frequent floods, intense coastal erosion and inundations due to the rise of the sea level. And the impacts have been felt almost everywhere. In the north, Droughts are forcing hundreds of thousands of people to migrate south as agricultural productivity declines. Philip and I have been investigating how climate change is driving mass migrations. Philip, how bad is the situation? All you need is to take a trip to Tamar Station here in Accra. I was there in December and met entire families living at the bus station, cooking in the open. Women talked of being raped. Here are some of the people I spoke with during my interviews. I came through my friends. Actually, I would say it was a lie from my friends because they told me that Accra, they are living, they are living a luxurious life, they are sleeping in air-conditioned rooms and all that. Only for me to realize when I came here that they are, we, are, we are sleeping just by a gutter. But north-south migration is not new. Each year, many people move south during the arid months and return to their farms once conditions are better. This is still actually happening. The problem is, because the periods of drought are longer, they are staying away longer. Many are unable to return because agriculture is no longer enough to sustain their livelihoods. And this climate-induced migration is not only in the north. No, 
You know, Ghana has been experiencing a problem with unusually high tides, resulting mainly from coastal erosion and sea level rise. In episode 2, we'll discuss how many people have left coastal towns and villages to start life afresh elsewhere. And one common thread we find in our reporting is that women are disproportionately affected. So Diane helped put together an entire episode on how climate change is widening gender inequalities. Is that episode two? Yes. Remember that women are mostly involved in activities that depend on stable and predictable climatic conditions. You have agriculture, providing drinking water. You know even the ability to find good firewood is climate sensitive. So when there are even small changes in average weather, Women feel it first and most. Well, from what you're saying, it seems that women are always the hardest hit when disasters strike. That's the unfortunate truth. In this episode, we speak to experts and women who explain that a combination of cultural and social forces conspires to leave women more vulnerable. As I said, women are mostly involved in climate-sensitive sectors, and the jobs that women are able to get in our society are often in the agriculture and informal sectors. At the same time, women are less likely to have the financial independence, savings and mobility to cope with these shocks. Just to add, female climate migrants are also easy targets for thieves and sexual predators. And most of the time, they are taking care of children and responsible for domestic duties and family caretaking even during their displacement. Now guys, I want to talk about something else. Our cocoa sector is also suffering because of climate change. This is an excerpt from episode 3. At the time when the cocoa trees are ready to bear fruits, it can rain so much so that it destroys the flowers, which means the farmer cannot get any substantial yield. The heat from the sun can sometimes be extreme and destroy the trees because the cocoa tree cannot withstand it. It also makes the tree vulnerable to pests like black pots. Evelyn, you were a woman on this beat. What is going on here? We just heard the voice of Pauline Safo. She's been a cocoa farmer for 27 years. She's describing the destruction of cocoa farms by climate change. What you don't hear in that soundbite is how the disappearance of majors is threatening cocoa production. Wait, did you say the disappearance of majors? What are those anyway? Majors are mosquito-like insects on cocoa farms. But that sounds like a good thing to me. Anyone familiar with farms will tell you that those tiny black insects can really be a nuisance. Not for cocoa farmers. Midges are the principal pollinators of cocoa trees. And without them, flowers simply can't grow into healthy pots and beans. Pollination is so important and because there are fewer midges to do it, farmers like Safo, whom we spoke to in this episode, are forced to do it manually. Wow, manually? Yes, manually. You can imagine how difficult and slow this can be. In case you forgot, this is Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero. 
climate change is not only a Ghanaian problem, it's a global problem. So what's being done to address it? Do you mean locally or globally? Locally and globally. You attended the climate change conference in Glasgow, Evelyn. I did, and I took the opportunity to conduct interviews for one of the episodes. So did a conference find a solution to climate change? No, 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 no. But some decisions were taken to reduce greenhouse gases. Countries are now trying to lower their emissions as much as possible. At the same time, there are goals to remove current greenhouse gases from the atmosphere. Hopefully, by doing both, we can get to a point where the amount of emissions are equal to the amount of removal, which is what we call a net zero emission. The target is to get to this point by 2050. And that's in less than um, 30 years? Yes, except that if you add up all the plants now on the table, we are not able to meet the target or even come close to it. So what happens in the meantime? Well, the erratic rains, droughts, high temperatures and other extremes are set to worsen. If the global action is failing or off track, at least um, nationally something is being done. Is that right? Addressing climate change requires that everybody does their part, such as plastic recycling. We actually have an episode that addresses exactly that. Plastics pose numerous environmental challenges, including contributing to climate change. In many parts of Ghana, as in this landfill on the outskirts of Accra, plastics are simply burned. Scientists who study this problem believe burning plastics currently palms more than 850 million tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere annually. In comparison, that's about how much cocoa Ghana produces every year, and we are the second largest producer in the world. That's an excerpt from Yvonne's reporting in episode 5. In this episode, Yvonne talks to Ghanaian entrepreneurs trying to cash in on the problem. Yes, I speak to innovators turning plastic waste into art, footwear, building materials, and in the process, helping the environment and climate. But we need to make these efforts more widespread and have leadership in this change from governments, companies, and unions to really make a difference. Before we wrap up this um, pilot, I want to know one more thing. Guys, what does climate change mean to you, um, Philip? So the issue with the rising sea level and also the coastal erosion is becoming very problematic and something that uh, attention has to be paid to because when you move to some of the coastal areas, you notice that a lot of people have been displaced and communities are are virtually wiping off and very soon we will not have a number of communities along the coastal belt or the coastal line there as a result of the rising sea level and also the coastal erosion. So I think that if something is done about it, an immediate action is taken. Uh, It will help um, get individuals residing in these areas to be relief. And Philip, you know, that brings to mind the recent situation in Keta. You remember that a few months ago? Yes, the issue that happened in Keta where thousands were displaced because they woke up in the morning uh, virtually sleeping in the in water, that is a seawater. And that is an issue that caught the attention of a lot of people. And a number of institutions visited that area 
try to find a remedy to the problem. But with a bigger picture, if we all get involved and uh, see how activities, some activities from our side, that's human activities, also influence uh, the rising sea level and coastal erosion, it will help. Well, that's very good, Philip. So, Yvonne, for you, you've been doing something on innovations. Now, going around and speaking to some of these innovators, I realized that there could be so much that people could do out of plastics, especially when I spoke to um, Nelson, looking at how he mixes plastics with sun to build houses. That's so, I mean, it's something that I feel if a lot of people could take it up, then dealing with the plastic situation we could get somewhere. And you recollect this um, bar stop that's at Joel in Accra um, by Macintosh. That's one of the he's one of the guys you spoke to. Yes, that's another great innovation, innovation. that I feel that a uh, government should also channel their resources there to help people who want to actually do that. Well, so, Diane, what does climate change mean to you? Okay, well, um, we know climate change is worsening um, the gender inequality gaps in Ghana. And I believe that women are at the belt of some of these things. And women are the ones that feel it most. And I believe that change, change should come while I'm here. But unfortunately, it's not looking good. Um, speaking to a few people like um, Chibeze Ezekiel, we, we know that it's, it's not looking good for women. And as a woman, I believe... Um, Climate change shouldn't be a problem that we go through. Climate change shouldn't be something that we face on a regular basis. It shouldn't be something that would impact our lives so greatly. Well, I think climate change is really causing a devastating impact on agriculture, especially on cocoa production, which is the main source of foreign exchange for Ghana. And when you go on the field, you see how vulnerable these cocoa farmers are to the impact of climate change. Already these farmers are battling with poverty. And once they are getting lower yields, they are not even able to meet the minimum income that they need to sustain themselves and their families. And on women in cocoa farming, the impact is even greater. Because apart from the poverty and the, the low income, they have to also work extra hard. And normally they have smaller farms and so they are not even earning enough from their farms in the first place. So if climate change is reducing these yields, their life is becoming even more difficult day by day. And it's affecting the entire family and all their livelihoods. And for me, um, on my migration story, so I was quite um, sad when I saw the women at Tema Station having to sleep in the open, um, falling prey to criminals, um, rape, and all those um, negative things that happen to women. And then sometimes it deprives them of their womanhood. And so for me, I believe that, in, particularly in the northern part of Ghana, um, government needs to invest in that part to ensure that um, for those parts that are severely impacted by climate change, unlike the South, um, they get to um, sort of um, make their place habitable and make it easy for these women to live there and then improve their lives.
Well, guys, it's been so amazing to work with you all on this project. It is our climate, our planet, and then our future. Because when there's a future, there's always hope. Okay, everyone, when I count to three, you all say goodbye. One, two, three. Bye-bye. Climate Change and Us, Ghana Ground Zero, is put together by young Ghanaian broadcasters and community advocates. Diane Kufu, Philip Latte, Evelyn Ado, Yvonne Atilego, Doreen Ampofo. The podcast is produced by Eugene Fongwa.